0: Forever. Dog. This isn't
1: how she's of me. She's watched the show like a lot of times. Who is gonna be chief of surgery? show and it is really really good
0: climb,
2: climb and we the to go, go, go. hello and welcome to another episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. I am uh, very happy to be sharing the episode that we recorded with Caitlin Puckett who's a wonderful comedian in the New York scene and uh, has a really interesting Gray's journey where she did not like Gray's and then returned to it and, uh, and saw the light, so to speak. We talk about Catherine Fox, Catherine Avery, uh, now known as Catherine Fox on the podcast. Uh, she is a character that is Jackson Avery's mom who, for those of you who didn't you know, make it all the way through, uh, the series, she comes into play in season eight and has only really grown in her presence on the show. She is a surgeon in urology. She is driven. She works on the board of the Harper Avery Foundation. And we really we really get into like who she is as a surgeon, who she is as a mother. Uh her her good sides and her bad sides but we also really talk a lot about the actress who plays her Debbie Allen who I've mentioned before on the podcast for kind of having a pivotal role in the change of the work culture and kind of the post Shonda Rhimes post Patrick Dempsey sort of time there and in our discussion I kind of Brought some of the uh, articles that I've been accumulating about how influential she's been, how kind of inspirational she is uh, in terms of just what she has accomplished outside of being an actor for Grey's, but being an executive producer and a director. So even if you don't know... Uh, Catherine. And even if you don't like her, uh, I definitely recommend this episode as just kind of seeing both the snapshot into where Greys has kind of grown into, but also kind of that tie between real life Greys uh, on set stuff and what we see in front of the camera as well. Uh, as always, if you have not yet left a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd super appreciate it. And also I'm on Twitter at N Silverberg. Should you have any thoughts about any of the episodes or Grey's Anatomy at all? Uh, yeah, that's it. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nicole's Gray's Anatomy. I am here with my friend, a Grey's watcher. She's a comedian at UCB. It's Caitlin Puckett.
1: Hello! Hi! Hello.
2: Oh my gosh. I I am so excited to sit down and talk Grey's with you, because I actually don't know how much we've really like gotten into it before.
1: We haven't, which is wild. I know. Because obviously you're a very big fan. And how did you know what, what tipped me off
2: moments before (laughs) we started recording this podcast, someone, another credible forever dog host uh, from the, the podcast, the unofficial expert, which you should listen to. Marie was like, oh, what's your podcast about? And I was like, this is actually a humiliating answer to have to <laughs> explain. Like, you know, if you know, you know. And I and I told her and she was extremely polite and was like, oh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah,
1: I do yeah, have a podcast Grace about Grace. It sounds on. a certain way to people if, yes. if you don't know it. If you don't know it, but if you do know you it, do. it's
2: actually a totally normal use of time <laughs> and actually uh, smart and important. It's changing the world and, and, and helping my career. Yes. Those are the two main things that you can like definitively <laughs> say about being a TV writer hosting a Grays podcast. In any case, <laughs> enough about me and my wild successes. <laughs> um, so what is your Gray's journey?
1: Okay, so it is, it's quite a journey. Oh my gosh. Because uh, let me tell you, I started off hating it. Really? Yes. So my introduction was in college. I had a roommate who was all about it. Uh-huh. And I would see clips now and then, but the first episode I actually sat down and watched was the Super Bowl one, yes. the you know, bomb the, in the body cavity. Bomb in the body. Yeah. Which I don't know, it felt <laughs> very compelling cuz I'm like, this is ridiculous, but also Uh, I love all these details. And I mean, Christina and Bailey instantly, you know, pulled you in, pulled me in. Uh, But the more I watched it, the more I had issue with Meredith. Yeah. Hated her the first time around and loved George the first time around. And my things have changed. Wow. <laughs> so when you when you watched the uh, the
2: Super Bowl episode, then did you start from the beginning or did you just kind of pick up from there and just keep going?
1: I was trying to think about that because I know I saw a lot of the episodes before that before I did this current rewatch. So mm-hmm. I think whatever station must have just played. Yeah, like reruns I, or whatever. Yeah. Just yeah. figured it out.
2: Because I, I only ask because um Maritza was saying uh, a couple weeks ago that sh- that she had started picking it up around like season three and she didn't go back and watch one and two until she was around like maybe five. And I was Ooh. like, oh, that would be so interesting to like... Shanda Taub said something really similar, like uh, it that she started with eight <laughs> and then started over, <laughs> which that one actually is... Um, more more bold, more brave. <laughs> Shantab is a genius, <laughs> and I trust her. I trust her judgment, but I also was like, how did your brain make sense of any of that stuff? Um, yeah. Because I, I do I, think that the first season, though it be short, it really does, like, set the table for basically everything that comes after that. And I could understand yeah. how season two would seem like... Uh, a lot without kind of knowing the
1: perfect intricacies of all the relationships. <laughs> maybe my roommate had the DVDs because yeah. it just didn't feel like there was anything I was missing or yeah, maybe totally. she was able to tell me. Everything. Or maybe you just
2: were a super genius and you just could he, intuit everything.
1: You know, call me Lexi Gray. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you did not like Meredith and you had issues with her. You loved yes. George. Ugh. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then found myself starting to really like Addison. But yeah was getting mad at the show about it. I don't know how to explain it. I'll try. Yeah. Like, I definitely had internal misogyny issues Mm -hmm. where, like, on a show, it's like, okay, these men should be flawed and we gotta love them for it. And when women are, ugh, can't stand it. Yeah. And But with Addison, I was getting... The show does such a beautiful job with her and I was getting so conflicted because I'm like, she should be the villain, but Addison is awesome and I don't like Meredith. Yeah. So that started getting complicated for me. And then I dropped out. I think it was Meredith saying, "Okay, I'll drown. Yeah. (laughs) That's yeah. I understand that. (laughs) And then, yeah, for years, I just would spout off like, oh, I hate Grey's blood. (laughs) And cut to uh, almost ten years later. Oh my gosh! What wow. a journey!
2: <laughs> and so then, this year is when you were just like, "It's time."
1: Yeah, earlier this year, uh, I so I work from home uh-huh. and from a computer, and I go crazy if it's just silent mm-hmm. in the home. So I've just started putting on shows that I don't really have to pay strict attention to so I started with America's Next Top Model love it perfect show because I just need to look up sometimes to see what they're doing for a shoot and I can go back yeah and I'm like you know what this was a college time L- let me go back to Grays. because I know yeah people such as yourself who are fans and I'm like maybe I mean it's been on forever too yeah like I'm obviously missing something and it'll just be in the background, whatever. It'll be just fluff. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where it's like, okay, I can't watch this during work because I <laughs> <laughs> cannot take my eyes off it. it. Yeah, The way this show evolves mm-hmm. floors me. Uh, it's incredible. Did it, you know immediately
2: that you had a different take on it uh, when you started your rewatch or was like, or was there a certain moment where you were like, okay, I'm hooked
1: Yeah, it was pretty immediate. Like, watching the pilot, you know, there's some cringy moments, especially, (laughs) like, going back now after knowing what Grace has become. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I think George was the tip-off. Yeah. it was just like, wait. He's a very dated character in a way, which
2: is so weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are some pretty dated characters and the way they did it and maybe that's another reason why I got annoyed with it and then the show gets it and then uh, becomes so nuanced yeah it does it's so good (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to talk to my husband like explain it to my husband Mm -hmm. and I ended up comparing it with the Beatles okay yeah I'm I'm actually there, yeah. So yeah, that's fine. You know, <laughs> fine with me. The Beatles start out one style. That's yes, what people like, and then they get so much more complicated. They evolve with the times. Totally. And guess what Grace does? You yeah. Know? Oh, one hundred percent. So in your rewatch, kind of, who are your people? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I definitely stick by Bailey and Christina. Mm-hmm. How can you not? I. Uh, was definitely found Meredith more compelling this time. But especially when she and Derek kind of get their stuff settled, like the show doesn't have to focus so much on that chemistry. We can like just focus on Meredith growing more as a doctor. Yeah, that's true. Like her journey is magnificent. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh my gosh. I mean, for like, when it began to be the new class of doctors I didn't know from the original watch. Yeah. Callie and Arizona. Big time. Yeah. I
2: mean, they're the, they're so Ooh, good.
1: That's the best.
2: Callie, Callie is, I mean, I, I don't love Callie right away. Like, um, Callie being married to George was like not really a plotline I liked and I didn't really feel like I understood who Callie was except for as a foil to George of like, she's so sure of herself. She works with owns like that was kind of my my understanding of her and then what yes. what then what she kind of grew into as like this woman who uh has like incredible friendships and she's a really driven doctor and her stuff with um chief resident was like super oh, compelling to me like yes. it's a great arc and then everything with Erica and her friendship with Mark Sloan like all of that stuff I was just like in basically as soon as I think actually probably my turning point for Callie was when Izzy thinks that she wants to fight her in the cafeteria. Oh, God. And Callie's feelings <sighs> are so hurt. That's when I was like, I'm team Callie. Like, I think from yeah. here on out,
1: like 100 percent. Callie has such a sad start. Yeah. Uh But uh, when you said the Sloan thing, I just got to say this show has some of the best like same or opposite sex friendships. Yeah. I've ever seen. That's that's such a good that would be such
2: a good episode theme to talk about, too. Like
1: her and Sloan, Mare and Alex, their friendship arc. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Their friendship is really special, especially now. Like for, you know, they're the only two original interns who remain and it's but it doesn't feel like that's the reason why like they they really have grown to have like an understanding of each other yes. that's really such a special understanding and yeah I, I i love i love their friendship um and uh honestly uh karasik and amelia have like a really great friendship <sighs> Holy no. shit. Like, like, great, like, working relationship. I'm a massive Koracic fan. I
1: am too. I rewatching some of the clips for today, there's a lot of Koracic, and it's like, mm-hmm. I could have very easily done an episode on him. Like, it feels yeah, he's great. silly I, on this show where it has maybe some of the most rich female characters in <laughs> an ensemble show ever, like, not to talk about a lady. But, oh, God. Yeah and Karasik and Teddy I'm a fan I love it I'm very
2: sad that it is definitely oh, over damn it but I, uh Greg uh German's that his name whatever yeah he's been up to a series regular so for season 16 so I yeah, I'm very thrilled to, I, I I can rest easy knowing that we're still gonna get Tom Karasik but yeah interesting an interesting um Actually, there's like always like also an implied like Carssic Katherine Avery like sexual thing,
1: oh, there definitely is, and, and I've Catherine always been does really not interested in that.
2: It for Richard. no, she doesn't. But I honestly love that. I love that Carrassic has I love that Karassik has like had sex with as many people at the hospital as Mark Sloan has, but he's just like a totally different character. But Carrassic is like, um, also. Uh, a horny guy. <laughs> he is. is that the right way to say that? He's a horny guy. He's uh, a horny guy. He will, you know? Yeah. I mean, he like slept with April and. Which, oh, that
1: monologue after. Oh,
2: so good. Oh. Uh, there's so much in our April episode that we did not get to that. Honestly, I think that there needs to be a J April episode. There needs to be kind of like just an April in relation to like sex and men episode. There probably should be an episode about how faith is portrayed on the show. There's just, there's so many off roads from like kind of the, the central core of April Kepner, uh, which actually uh, segue into what we're talking about with, uh, today, Catherine yes. Avery, now Catherine Fox, uh, Catherine and April have some of the most like dynamic moments um, on the show. Honestly, for both of them,
1: yeah. It her see Catherine's scenes with April really afford like to see this other side of Catherine because mm-hmm. we. A lot of Catherine we see it's either being like flirty and having that amazing chemistry with Richard. Yeah. <laughs> or it's business first. Yeah. Uh but yeah, she gets to have these moments with April, mostly good, sometimes not so great. Sometimes not so good, yeah. Catherine is a complicated woman. Yeah, she is. It's it kind of speaks to
2: certain expectations relating to sexes, uh, sorry, to ageism with Catherine, because you really want Catherine to fit a certain type of box, narratively speaking. And sometimes some of my frustrations with Catherine have come from being like, she's like, why is Richard's love life? Like, why is this like this other generation of doctors getting so much, Uh, plot time yes and but then when you look at the plots on paper you're like no these are actually like good arcs um the Catherine is one of the most fully formed like newer characters on the show and frankly she's been on the show for a long time at this point we first meet her in season 8 it's like that's that's a full that's like half the show now that she's been on yeah Oh my gosh! Which I mean, she hasn't Although, been in like you know she wasn't working permanently in the hospital and still isn't. But she does. I mean, she I'm eventually to think becomes. When she a became full. Maybe she's maybe like tw- she been- uh, twelve, twelve, thirteen-ish. Like I'm because yeah. when the Avery Foundation like saves the hospital, um, that's when she starts. She can show up at any time. Yeah, but like. I feel like, uh, you know, the Eliza Minnick plot that's thirteen. Mm. she's super around for that. Yeah, um, she's very hands-on. Like yeah, the, and then when she becomes Richard's wife, like, I mean, she, like, travels a lot. I don't know. She's, like, traveling to all of the different, like, Avery hospitals. Uh, How many Avery hospitals are there? I am so thrilled that you asked. Ooh. I recently uh, listened to a clip. They said something like 340. Oh, my God. It's, it's actually in... Well, it might not be in the exact clip that I pulled. It might be, okay. though. Um, but in a conversation with uh, April and Jackson about their future, she kind of lays out, like, what being an Avery means, and she explains how many hospitals are within the
1: Avery Foundation. Oh, is this talk when at, right after they eloped? Oh, yeah. I pulled Ooh. that, baby. I oh, po- you know I pulled that, yeah, that yeah, clip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean...
2: Uh, we'll get into the clips super soon because we have a lot. I would say that I sent you I, a lot. I wouldn't have. Well, <laughs> you sent me a lot, and I was like, when you said that you wanted to talk about Catherine Avery, I was really surprised, just because I don't always think of her as being a core character. I'm interested, like, what about her? I mean, you sent a lot of great ideas for episodes, but I'm interested, yeah. in what made you want to like kind of go with Catherine Avery?
1: A big part of it is, I mean, the actress Debbie Allen, yeah, who. I like my eyes always go to whenever she's on the screen. I feel the same way about April. Like, yeah, uh, maybe they wouldn't be as great on paper, but uh, Debbie Allen just fleshes her out to make her. I don't know to speak to your point about how her type of character should fit this type of box that has been created before. Like, are you going to be the horny grandma? Are you going to be? helicopter mom that keeps, like, inserting herself into Jackson's life. And she's a lot. Uh, I feel like I could speak so much better about her if I, I raised a child by myself or was an older generation. But I think, like, I noticed... For like the first like Richard, Catherine storylines that were getting like a lot of airtime, I found myself being annoyed with it and like, Caitlin, why are you so annoyed with like older romance? Yeah. And it really made me take a step back. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, this is pretty incredible to like give this time to a romance and not like keep pointing out. But we're old, we can't have sex or anything like that. Like, it's still a relationship, but there's just specifics to it that maybe we can't identify with yet. You know,
2: before I knew that we were going to do a Catherine Avery episode, I was speaking on a previous episode. um, I can't remember with who, about just like kind of Debbie Allen's role in Grey's Anatomy in general. And Mm -hmm. I pulled some stuff to kind of talk about just because... She is someone who was brought in not just to be an actor, but to be an executive producer and a director. And she's right. credited with like a massive work culture change. So uh, first of all, when Ellen Pompeo did her uh, interview, her actors on actors or actors interviewing actors um, thing with uh, Taraji P. Henson for a variety, basically Ellen Pompeo says that the work culture at Grey's was super toxic and that uh, there were a lot of egos. There was a lot of bad behavior. Uh, oh, and she was ready to leave, right? She was ready to leave, yeah. And I think that a lot of it had to do with Patrick Dempsey. A lot of it had to do previously with Katherine Heigel, But but they don't really even... She doesn't... Those are just the ones that we know about. She basically said yeah. that like there was a standard set of bad behavior. And then you felt like you had to misbehave in order to get attention and be taken seriously. And it created this really toxic Gross. work culture. Yeah. And she... Um, went and talked to Shonda Rhimes and was like, "We need some shifts in who is in front of the camera and behind the camera. We need to like turn the ship around." And uh, you know, Patrick Dempsey left in season eleven, and uh, Ellen Pompeo says, "Shonda Rhimes and I decided that we want to rewrite the ending of the story and we want to turn the page and start a new chapter and turn the culture around behind the curtain." we brought in Debbie Allen as our EP and we made some changes and we had to reimagine what behind the scenes at Grey's Anatomy looked like. Uh, And basically credits Debbie Allen with creating this, this new environment. And then Elle kind of recently profiled Debbie Allen because obviously, I mean, she has a long storied career before becoming involved with Grey's Anatomy. Incredible career. And an incredible directing career. She Mm -hmm. had directed like Girlfriends and Jane the Virgin and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and That's So Raven, Family Ties. And I think she also did like the Broadway revival of Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. So yeah, she directed yeah, that. Yeah, she directed that, which is like absolutely <laughs> incredible. So Debbie Allen and Shonda Rhimes met when Shonda Rhimes brought her daughter to the Debbie Allen Dance Academy for lessons. In L.A.? Yes. And Shonda Rhimes and Debbie Allen became friends and, through that. And obviously like Debbie Allen was on fame and that's a, I mean, that's (laughs) huge. And, um, she was like, Oh my God, she has to come and direct Grays. And so this is what the L article says. Rhymes quickly saw how strongly the cast and crew responded to the sense of family and connectedness that Allen brought to set as both actor and director quote, She works really hard, and you always want to rise to beat that. But she also loves what she does, and that love oozes from her pores. She brought that joy and that love to work every day, says Rhymes. And I wanted that at work for my cast and my crew and the writers every single day. In Gray's 12th season, Rhymes hired Alan to serve as executive producer Mm -hmm. and director, and it's it's in that role that Alan may leave one of her biggest marks on the entertainment industry. Her job requires her to put together a slate of directors each year, and she made it her personal mandate to put women in the director's chair, both cis and trans, for at least 12 of the 24 episodes per season. Um, and, you know, she's she's helped Ellen Pompeo learn how to direct episodes. She's helped uh, Krista Vernoff. And so she also is like training this new generation of, like, women directors, uh, like mentoring them and prepping. And uh, Krista Vernoff, who's the showrunner, says... I have never in my life personally or professionally felt as mentored as I felt by Debbie as a director. I've never felt as seen. I've never felt as safe. The fact that I overcame my own terror to say yes to directing has everything to do with the fact that it was Debbie asking me to do it. I trusted her. I felt her wisdom and her support and her strength and her willingness to whisper over and over in my ear what my strengths were. (laughs) Pompeo felt that same sense of support. I knew she would have my back, she says. I knew that she was not going to let me fail. So it's like... It's it's to me, even though Catherine Avery is not like my favorite character on the show, I'm excited to talk about her in the context because I think that it has been from a creative perspective, I think it's hard for the the impact that Catherine Avery has on the hospital, I think mirrors how people see Debbie Allen in real life. And even though Catherine Fox, Catherine Avery, same person has like moments that I've really not liked. I do think that her energy is so infectious and her, yeah, like, you can. In- she's very intense and, but there's like an intensity that comes like from love. And basically, I mean, I mean, this is another Ellen Pompeo quote. The fact that we've been able to change the story about the onset culture, how everybody here feels and operates all day is an incredible opportunity that I don't think many people get. The story of my time here, which is such a big chunk of my life, has such an even more positive spin on it because of the addition of Debbie Allen. So that makes me really happy.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad you shared that because I knew she was executive producer and was directing, but I didn't know like. That she had that direct impact. Yeah,
2: she was brought in like with a purpose. The the last part of that quote is she says, the most important part of her legacy is not the physical work that she does, says Pompeo. It's the emotional work that she does when she looks at you and smiles at you and you feel like the sun is shining on you. (laughs) You feel warm and you feel cozy and you feel like you can do anything in the world. Rhyme says that when I'm around Debbie, she makes me want to work harder and do my best. Nobody wants to disappoint Debbie Allen. (laughs) So I think that like that's, that's something that influences how I see that character that she plays where I'm just like, they they write more stuff for her because they want to work with her more. Like they give, you know, like they want to have her around on set. They want her influence in the storyline and they feel like they're going to get a certain quality and commitment to her work that like can buoy the show in a certain like like, uh, emotional or spiritual way, which like what an incredible position to be in
1: and I mean Grey's Anatomy never has like a villain that stays a villain for long that's very true it's
2: like the Fast and Furious franchise
1: (laughs) yes oh my gosh I love
2: one movie they're your enemy and then the next one they're part of the family
1: the family I could talk about Fast and Furious forever too (laughs) I love that franchise especially five and six Uh. um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I just, what if got you just so started excited, like weeping. <laughs> oh, five and six. I love the family. Um, I totally forgot what point I was talking about. You said that Catherine. a villain doesn't stay a villain for oh, long. Oh yeah, I think. Kind of thinking about it, maybe her more so than other characters. Uh, do she, she has some villainous moments? Yes, which I
2: you sent me your moments first. And so right. I i rather than usually how it works is I feel like me and the guest each choose our own moments and uh, sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. And then maybe I'll go and I'll fill in the blank based on what I see is missing. But you sent me a bunch of moments and I was like, these are amazing. I think almost everything is here except for the mm-hmm. few moments where she really has been villainous. And so I kind of tried to fill in the blanks a little bit uh, of moments where I thought that Catherine... Uh, made me upset. Like I like watching her was like, you're wrong. This sucks. Uh, but those are earlier on. It's been a while since she's done something that.
1: Yeah, I think the last kind of villainous thing I can think of that she did was uh, not really communicating well with Richard with the Minik thing. Yeah,
2: that's exactly how I feel, and that yeah. was like season thirteen. Uh, okay, we have a lot of Catherine Avery, uh. Clips, But the first one that you chose, which is makes a lot of sense, is kind of the first time that we we meet her.
1: Yeah, I feel you can't pass up this moment. So
2: first of all, Catherine Avery is a urologist. She or she's she's a surgeon. She deals. I mean, you know, I've talked a lot about how sometimes they expand a specialty into a personality and like flirty, yep. like yep. brassy, uh blunt, you know, an uh, un- unembarrassed Katherine Avery works with penises and vaginas constantly, and she wants to talk about them. And she is not embarrassed, and neither should you. And sex is an important part of life, etc. Yeah, that is a main, I mean, main theme, and, and so much, <laughs> so much <laughs> of what she does. Um, this first uh clip is Catherine Avery coming. You know, Jackson's mom is coming to the hospital. Season, the season eight uh, to do a penis transplant it is one of the least realistic ways to introduce a patient. <laughs> they are in an auditorium full of doctors, and she asks a man who is a patient to disrobe in front of all of them.
1: He doesn't show any embarrassment. No, on he's his like, face. like,
2: like they try and justify it being like he agreed to be our guinea pig, and it's like that doesn't mean that you agree to like just like drop. It's fine. Anyway, uh, in this kind of place, just because we're going to kind of go into all of these different like offshoots, uh, April is like Facebook friends with Catherine Avery and like idolizes her. But she's like bashful about like, you know, sex. Uh, Jackson is like very embarrassed by his mom in general. Somewhat understandably if Catherine was your mom, I think you'd be like... It'd be a lot. A, a lot. And yeah, okay, so that's, that's kind of... We're in, a, we're in a big auditorium right now.
3: Wake up, everybody. I know, I know. It's grand rounds where we have to sit and listen to somebody talk about how somebody did something and here's how they did it and there's not enough coffee in Brazil for this. <laughs> well, not today. Today, we are going to do. Today, I'm going to change a life and maybe make medical history, too. And I can't do it alone, so
2: who wants to step into the future with me? Woo! That's April.
3: <laughs> OK, that's that's all right. That's a start. Let's see if I can get a few more. Ryan, honey, would you come out here, please? Everybody, this is Ryan. Hi. Ryan, could you show everybody what we're here to do today?
2: Everyone is openly gaping. So unprofessional. Unprofessionally, some of them are grimacing.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to invite a few very lucky residents to scrub in on this country's first penis transplant.
2: Still naked. Still naked. Okay, title card. Absolutely have to love it. <laughs> Created by Shonda Rhimes, of course. Thank you, Shonda. Thank you, Shonda.
3: Thanks to a case of penile cancer, Ryan underwent a full penectomy 11 months ago. Good margins left him basically cured and cancer-free. So that's gone. And today we'll be replacing the other thing Ryan lost. A suitable donor's become available here at Seattle Grace, Mercy West. And Ryan generously agreed to fly out and make this day a teaching opportunity. Who wants in on it? Hello, that's more like it.
0: Uh, Mark Sloan Plastics, isn't penile reconstruction the standard approach in
4: cases like these? Why a a transplant?
3: Well, I can answer your question with a question. Do you like your penis? Yes.
5: (laughs) It does the job.
3: If one day it wasn't there, wouldn't you want it back? Or would you be satisfied with a reconstructed organ that has very little
5: function? Satisfied?
3: No, but that's Neither would Ryan here. Yes, this is new ground, but here's a young man with his whole life ahead of him. He's still naked, to just a standing there. With the bravery fine. and selflessness to help advance medical science along the way. So let's give Ryan <laughs> a hand. Come on.
2: Ryan's smiling. Ooh, Ryan loves awesome. it, I guess. Now let's give Ryan a penis. Woo! <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, ultimately, that's like, that's a that's the perfect introduction to Catherine Avery. Truly. She's charisma. She's she's yelling. She's (laughs) winning over. She's winning over people who don't aren't on board. She's embarrassing Jackson. All of her specialties. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's just like. The minute that you meet her, you're like, "Wow, this woman has a lot of charisma," and, and and just a bottomless well of charisma. And then later in the episode, you also wanted to talk about uh, her reconnecting with Richard. Oh, right. Who she eventually marries. Um, this clip kind of sets itself up, but I don't know if there's anything you want to say before we, before we play it.
1: No, it just I mean. This is the episode that like hooked on Catherine right away. Wow, yeah, I understand. Okay, here we go.
4: Catherine Avery.
3: Richard Weber. Oh. Shame on you. I send you my son to educate and you let him wander off into plastics. You no, know, he seems happy. Happiness is for ordinary people. He's my son. Greatness
4: is his legacy. At a certain point, you have to realize that you've done everything you can. You can't force people to do things they don't want to do.
3: Don't I know it. When was it that we met at that convention in Miami and I just flirted with you shamelessly and you had to tell me you were married?
4: Well, I remember.
3: Are you still married? Because after the surgery tonight, I'm going to need some dinner. I'm still married. Damn it! <laughs>
4: Well, there's always next time. You
1: know, I don't give up. Have a good session. Thanks, Richard.
2: You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, there's undeniable chemistry there. Yeah.
1: Right from the start. Good
2: acting. Good job to both Mr. Pickens (laughs) and (laughs) Miss Allen.
1: This reminded me of why I wanted to play the clip. Uh, Because... I love Richard and Adele. Yeah. And if you were to tell me, okay, we're introducing a character that's, you know, going to create a little triangle. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate her. Like, well, and also Adele at this point is like
2: suffering from Alzheimer's in a pretty big way. And it's yeah. like, it's very sad. And you want it's not Richard like to he's actively happy. like, he's not getting the benefits of being married. He, he's in the in sickness part of the, uh, of the vows in a pretty big way. And he feels extremely obligated to be there for her because of what he put her through in their marriage because of of things with Ellis and things like that. But yeah, there's Richard isn't like sleazy at all in that clip. You like kind of are like, Oh yeah, maybe like next time they won't be married and there might be something there. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I love her just like laughing it off and like, ah, too bad next time. Like
2: damn it. (laughs) Good delivery there. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously, like she does. There's a, there's a, it's a Catherine e- Avery episode, so it's like yeah. she does the surgery and stuff like that, and you see like she's very good. She's, you know,
1: yeah, she's introduced as both like passionate about what she does because, I mean, this is a reoccurring thing for her as a surgeon. It's not just about perfecting the surgery it's about their quality of life like their feeling which is exactly right some of my favorite cases oh oh, love it yeah no that's that's
2: such a good point like uh we see we see less of this now but you know some of the doctors on the show have like certain like medical philosophies like the way that um that like christina views like what a, what a surgeon and doctor's obligation is to their patient, what the, what the function of surgery should be, you know, when it comes to taking risks or not taking risks. Like Christina has a certain way of thinking about things. Izzy has a different way than that of thinking about things, you know. And some of the clashes between different surgeons has to do with like, well, how big of a risk should we take? What is important? And, and Catherine is just always like very much, interested in innovation but not for innovation's sake but for the the quality of life of the patient. Yes.
1: Like it's not just about her ego even though I think her ego is very healthy. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> um, okay. This next, ep, uh, this next clip that you chose. Okay. So end of season nine to refresh memories is uh, the storm with the flood with the electrocution. Oh. Oh. Heather... Other little mousy dies, uh, which is awful. Richard is also electrocuted. And at the beginning of this episode, uh, we have already seen Bailey and Owen performing surgery on him, and Catherine coming into the gallery. Screaming Yelling Pounding on the glass Telling them to close up Because he isn't strong enough For the surgery And that they have like Overstepped And in this scene Catherine Is uh, Really taking Bailey to task For having done it And saying that her motivations For the surgery Had to do with Her personal guilt And not with what was best For the patient It's It's a It's a rough one (laughs) Anything else you want to add before we, we hop in? No. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll after, talk about yeah. it after.
4: You can't scream at my doctors when there was an open body on the table. You let her talk you
2: into a boondoggle like that.
4: Dr. Avery, if you have any issues... Does when- he
3: know why you cut open a man in severe cardiac distress just so you could poke
0: around and see what's going on? We well, looked at all of the tell options. Him.
3: You tell him you feel guilty because the last thing Richard Weber heard from you is that he's a drunk who ruined your life. After all, he's done for you. We talk on the phone for an hour every night. It came up. You feel bad. Go find a priest. But do not try to fix it with a Hail Mary that very well may kill the man. I want access to his charts right now.
1: I'll be back in back uh, Yeah. Honestly, uh, it's such a heartbreaking clip because, you know, Bailey's just trying to do everything in her power for Richard. Right. And she, but also Catherine's right. Yeah, she is. And uh, even though it's like hard to watch how hard Catherine fights for these, because it's not the best way to go about them in my opinion, but I also love her for it. Yeah. Passion
2: baby everywhere. Yeah. This is, and this is also like, I think a kind of a pivotal moment in the show where you understand that like, they talk on the phone every night, like that there is like a pretty serious, like relationship there and that, uh, and that he has this life outside of, you know what I mean? Like it's like Bailey is doing it because she thinks that like, no one cares about Richard more than she does. And then you have someone who's face to face saying like, actually, no, like I'm the person who cares about Richard more than you do. And I'm telling you that you manipulated the situation and made like a bad medical call because of your own personal guilt.
1: With you saying that out loud, I realize how much that occurs on this show, like doctors l- loving the patient or probably the doctor who is now a patient yeah. more and how their method is correct.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's so true. <laughs> um, Okay. End of season season ten finale. Uh, you chose this clip. This is a this is a Catherine April clip. Uh, Catherine finds April crying in a medical supply mm-hmm. room. Um, uh, any any th- any thoughts before we before we dive in?
1: Right. This was right. I'm trying to remember exactly where on April's timeline She's this pragn- was. She's, She's- pregnant. With Samuel, yeah, yeah, with Samuel, first okay, baby. and there's just the mall shooting. Yes, there's been yeah. shooting at the mall. Uh, and Catherine comes down pretty hard on anyone Jackson is into. Yes, so I think this is the first moment we see compassion towards April. Yeah. I could be wrong.
2: No, no, no. I think I think that's pretty spot on. Uh, let let's we watch it.
3: 4x4s? April, where do you keep the 4 by 4s Oh,
1: hi. You're here. Hi. What's wrong? It was a shopping mall. Mm.
3: Didn't you hear? It wasn't terrorist. But that's
1: what we was... thought. We live in a world where that is the first thought that crosses our minds. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can raise a child in a world where they could die going to buy new shoes. I remember when
3: I was 10 years old, sitting in a restaurant with my father getting waffles. I love waffles. I didn't like eggs, still don't. This was 1960 in Texas, in a town so small it probably has forgotten its own name by now. And I remember some ignorant young men telling us to leave, dumping my father's food in his lap, throwing hot coffee on him. Was I scared? Yes. I begged him to take me out of there. Do you know what he said to me? What? Not until after you finish your eggs, young lady. What did did they do? What happened? (laughs) Nothing. They went on to bother somebody else. He wasn't afraid. So they didn't have any power. April, there's always going to be stupid people. There's always going to be accidents. But that's not what defeats you. It's the fear. Now, if you told me on that day in 1960 that I would have the job that I have today, the child that I have, I would have laughed till I cried. It seemed beyond impossible. But this is the way the world changes, sweetheart. Good people raising their babies right. Come on. We're the four by fours.
2: We got things to do. we got work to do. Oh. Nice speech. I like it more as a meditation on motherhood as opposed to why shootings happen, but I'll, you know, for the sake of, of the episode, I will, uh, like, there's always going to be stupid people. It's fear that defeats us
1: is a little bit like,
2: oh. Okay. I can't,
1: like, I don't remember enough about the episode now, but her response to, didn't you hear? It wasn't terrorist. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Didn't you hear? It's like, yeah, I mean, it always, like, what? Does it does, what, is what, what does is that What does that even happened? mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to unpack that, so yeah. I, I'm gonna be with you and just stick with it on the meditation on motherhood, which yes. is beautiful. And also a reminder, because... Catherine isn't on as often as other doctors. We we just don't know as much of her backstory and yeah, that's how much she's true. been through. And that's just, you know, a tiny little sliver. Right. And we do like come to learn that, uh,
2: that Catherine married into the Averys, uh, which, I mean, they don't really talk about it to my memory a ton, but she's like... This black woman who married into this, like, elite medical white family, her husband, who was, like, a, essentially, like, the heir to the Avery legacy, decided that the name was too much pressure. He left the whole family. I mean, he like, leaving Catherine to be a single mother, a surgeon, and to kind of continue to take on this, like, Avery uh, weight of, you know of this high bar of performance, but also the foundation and things like that. And it's, I mean, it's implied that it's just like her excellence as a surgeon is just a very small part of
1: why she is like such an impressive person. Uh, Right. One thing I've always wondered about her. I mean, yeah, it has to be the name and the power, but to stick around your ex father-in-law, yeah, and for him to like keep her around, like I'm, I, I would love to more know more backstory. There. Yeah,
2: to me, it's like always kind of been like narratively like confusing. Where I'm like, why didn't you just make her like, like okay, the way that I, I think I've talked about this before, where I feel like it's like they created Jackson as being like this like you mean the Harper Avery Ward? You're that Avery, and then they had Debbie Allen, and so then they had to kind of like reverse engineer like how this. We've already met Harper Avery. He's white. Like, I felt like there was like a lot of like kind of having to fill in the blanks of like what the backstory is based on yeah. who was cast in what role. Um, <coughs> but uh, it, it they do it in a way that never takes away from like how impressive Catherine Avery is, even though you are kind of like why did Harper Avery even let Catherine Avery? like for the sake yeah. of the grandson? Like, you know, it, like, it's, they it, did it, get divorced, right? Or were ye- they still married on no, paper? No, I think they were like, I think they were divorced and he was like in Montana, you know, running his bar or whatever that we find out he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wild. <laughs> it's so weird. Okay. This next clip that you chose is a, is a Richard Catherine romance moment. Oh, I love the romance. Um, what are they doing? Are they fighting in a scrub in a scrub room? Is that what this is?
1: <laughs> I don't know which one this is. I mean that's what they do. Yeah, we'll find out. Okay. Here we go. The streets are where we used to and the
4: cars are on fire. Do you need something? I need to make one thing clear. Mm -hmm. My manhood has not been damaged here. You may think I have a problem with powerful women, You're
3: having one right now.
4: No, right now I am having a problem with you. We are having this problem, and the problem is I hurt you. I hurt your feelings, and I'm sorry. I came to you last year intending to propose, but I let our professional differences stop me. We love our work. It's everything to us so it's easy to prioritize it. I made that mistake before. I don't want to make it again. Let
3: me stop you right there, because I don't think I can do this. I... It's just happened too many damn times with Jackson's
4: father, with you, You work. You worked to make something better, and then it just all just falls apart every time. I know. It's true. In fact, the only thing I can truly promise is I'll probably hurt you again. Oh, That's really enticing. Oh, and you'll hurt me. And I'll come right back to you again when you do. I'll accept the risk because you are worth it. Because you matter to me. Because I love you. And I'm not going anywhere.
3: It's a good
2: it's a good
1: speech. I feel like Richard doesn't get a ton of those. Yeah. He should get more. I could have done this whole thing about Richard. Love yeah, Richard. he's I, very dad to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we're speaking about earlier of like, for lack of a better term, old people romance. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> no, it's that's not the right term necessarily about like how we're old, but these things they bring up like very much speak to a relationship at this point in their mm-hmm. life and just. I really like the relationship at this point. Like yeah. it's sometimes relationships don't feel so healthy on and Anatomy. Yeah,
2: uh-huh. The- <laughs> oh, really? Um,
1: just a yeah. couple. I mean, they have
2: good communication, which sets them apart just from the get-go from a lot of other Yeah, they uh, do like, for, for the most part. Actually,
1: yeah. yeah, the only time they really run into issues is when they decide not to communicate. Yeah, and I also think that, like, um, so kind of similar to Christina and
2: Burke, like, the agreement, and, and I mean, and actually, Meredith and Derek ran into this as well, like, our relationship at work versus our relationship at home, like, what, like, how personally do I take you being my boss or you being Ugh. my colleague as opposed to what happens at home? And I think that I mean, Ben Warren also, and, and Bailey, that's an issue as well when he's, like, has switched specialties. And yeah, he's an intern, and a chief. It's,
1: it's um, so tricky when you're not, like, at the exact same level and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think that
2: uh, Richard, having been chief of surgery and ha- being kind of majorly respected in the hospital and being on top in that regard, but not actually having the power that Catherine Avery has in the hospital, like, they run into a lot of snags with that, and obviously... The oh, Minick Minick. plot yeah. line is like a huge part of that in which Catherine Avery makes a decision for the sake of the hospital that the residency program is going to fall to a new doctor who isn't Weber, even though Weber has run this program for a very long time. And to Catherine, it's work. It's not personal. And there's no reason why it's, it's not about her marriage. It's about the hospital. And Richard, I mean,
1: extremely disagrees. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And also I feel like, Catherine is probably more hands off with it, like speaking to Richard as she maybe would be with anyone else because she does want to keep it professional in the hospital setting mm-hmm. instead of just like speaking to him about the residency program is like, why are people f- finding success other or other places and we're giving them second chances here? Yeah, totally. I, uh...
2: Uh, I kind of forgot that like the proposal arc for Catherine and Richard was like this, um, uh, it was like a long thing um, because Richard kept wanting to propose and Catherine wasn't comfortable with it, both because of her previous relationships and because of uh, her work and things like that. And she travels. And so at more than one occasion, Richard like moves to propose And Catherine kind of stops him and she's like, I know what you're about to do and I don't want you to
1: do it. Oh, I hate that scene. Yes. There's a
2: scene where they're at dinner and Richard is like gets down on one (sighs) knee and she's like, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. And he's like, I thought I did know the answer. And it's very upsetting. This is part of this um, end of season 11, two episode arc, which is like begins with Derek's funeral. And it's this entire year passes within which like Meredith disappears. No one knows where she is. She's off having a kid. And then she eventually comes back. It's fine. It's actually perfect. It's the way that they just are like, oh, wow, we've really made a mess. Let's just um, kind of fast forward one year and see what happens. But within that year, around Christmas, in fact, <laughs> Is this scene, uh, which is like the the final proposal scene, uh, which is uh, this? These have all been scenes that you that you chosen. They are all good. Here we go. Also, this is just a normal day in the Richard hospital. Richard Weber! <laughs> Like people are just walking.
1: I'm mad at you. She's at the top of the stairs in the lobby. I'm doing something
3: I swore I never would. I'm asking a question when I don't know the answer. Because. What's going on? Because you're worth me standing here like a fool announcing how I feel in front of the entire hospital. I love you, Richard Webber. <laughs> Just. Yell it. I love you. She loves to yell. I know. And I would very much like for you to be my husband. <gasps> that is, of course,
1: <laughs> if you would like it too. <sighs> Everyone's holding one another.
4: About damn time.
2: Insane. I mean, I have to say I don't <laughs> like that scene. It's an insane proposal. What? Wh- why does it have to happen like that? Is there something I'm not remembering from the end of season 11 where like it had to be this public decorate? declaration the fact that they're just like at work and everyone's like busy 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 she's like
1: richard Weber. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well i think of it as because she knows this is what richard wants they speak to it when he is about to propose to her at the restaurant and Uh how he's been trying to cut Back on the romantic things, and the way he was going to do this was him cutting back. Yeah, like Richard's a big old romantic, so yeah, that's so true. Th- and something about some it being public may have come up. Okay, regardless, I hate
2: it, but <laughs> I, I, but I do, I do respect. I do. I mean, the line so about damn time is very nice. It's yeah. just like every other part of it where I'm just like. Oh boy, it's just it—it it definitely feels like a late Gray's, a
1: late era Gray's scene. I also it, think she's uncomfortable, which is why she's yelling. Like, I don't.
2: Yeah, no, there's like character work that went into it. It's just like, uh, it's just not totally for me. But that's okay. It's not the not way you want to be proposed to. Uh, certainly not. But it's also <laughs> not the way that I like want. It's just like not. It's just not really my type of scene. Uh, but yeah. I, but I like get it. I do get it <laughs> I do under, <laughs> i under I understand it um, <laughs> okay, this next scene that you that you chose speaks exactly to what you were talking about earlier about how like um quality of life is such an important part of of how she is and I don't know do you
1: want to set up kind of what's happening in this episode? Yes, oh my gosh i this ooh, is season fourteen I, now i, I love this arc of all the special mini projects the doctor the millionaire contest yes there's this this, like there's this contest (laughs) it's
2: this weird thing where like Jackson has come into a massive like an inconceivable amount of money and he has like secretly donated a certain amount of money to the hospital to create this prize where you come up with like a medical innovation and you win like a million dollars in order to help researcher created or something yeah, like Jackson that.
1: Jackson wants to compete, which, okay, fine. Like, like
2: yeah. I, I respected what it was trying to do just in the context of the show of, like, getting people back into, like, failing and trying medical innovations. It actually, the contest itself didn't totally work for me because I'm like, there still are no patients. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the patients? But... Yeah. But
1: the medical innovations themselves I, are great. Like, like uh, truly on paper. Bailey so good.
2: makes this thing for your butt. I can't remember what oh, I, it does. Uh, I want to say
1: butt blaster, but I know it's not no, called No, I think that, that they, they do make jokes that it's
2: called butt blaster. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, remember yeah. exactly what it does. Uh, Richard makes a pen that you put, like, on tissue, and it detects if the tissue is cancerous or not. amazing. Meredith is... Mini livers. Doing mini livers. Uh... Jackson is growing skin from scratch. It's like supposed to be spray-on skin. Right? Oh yeah, that's right, spray-on yeah, skin. Sounds very convenient. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, I know,
1: like bless Amelia you. pitched. Some- <laughs> bless you. Bless you to our perfect producer. Bless you. <laughs> uh, I know Amelia's got turned down. I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, is yeah. that because the one- there was like a barrier for entry at a certain like you had to produce, you had to
2: present your your like proposal. And then, and then based on that, then you kind of were given like a little bit of money and time to come up with like some type of prototype or something like that.
1: Right. Is this clip where she's first introducing to Jackson her idea? No, this is when she comes in
2: like So basically, I don't even know if this is the innovation contest so much as this is just a, a trans doctor comes in and she's like, I have a theory about how we can improve, uh, Creating vaginas so that they don't just look like vaginas, but that they kind of behave like vaginas,
1: they and feel like them, they yeah. feel like
2: them, and the, and they they secrete, they do all of the things that vaginas do. And Jackson is like bashful about it because it's his mom, and 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 it because it's like because he's plastics and she's urology. It's like the two of them together would be working on it because that the procedure is fundamentally a plastics procedure, but, but done in a different way. That, yeah. The, it, and so urologist. you need, you need both of them. Yeah. And, uh, and th- in this scene, uh, Catherine comes to Jackson to be like, what's your problem? Why won't you be a part of this? Perfect.
3: I need to speak with you.
0: Uh, great.
3: What Dr. Velez is proposing is
0: revolutionary. Why wouldn't you want to be in the forefront of something like this? It's not that I wouldn't, all right? I just don't have any time. Mom, I'm making skin here. <laughs> you are
3: years of research and millions of dollars away from making skin. This surgery is real. This surgery is right now. And we have a willing subject. Mom? Do you know how easy it is for a man, a cisgender man, to walk into a hospital and get the penis enlargement of his dreams? Mm -hmm. I've done dozens.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I do, okay? But come on, vaginoplasties already exist too. I do a bunch of them every year. Just
3: because something works doesn't mean it can't be better. We throw billions of dollars a year at perfecting little pills to make erections. If we know how to perfect this, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we help people like Michelle feel for the first time in their lives like their bodies match their souls?
0: That's what I'm doing. That, Mom, that's literally what I do every day.
3: Jackson, do you have any idea the rate of attempted suicides in people with gender dysphoria? 41%. 41%. This surgery won't just change lives. It will save them. But go on, make your little skin. Make your little skin.
2: Make your, your little, little skin. skin. This is a really good example for people who are not current on Gray's, On like kind of what Gray's is doing with like uh, with with topics in the news. This is like a great example. Like they give a character a point of view where they give a speech that has like statistics in there where you're like why does this (laughs) character know these statistics? And it's like very effective. And I think that it's, it's effective when you think of it of like, what is it like to be uh, not someone who knows a lot about trans people watching this? That is like what this is for. And that is, that is the context in which it's like, especially excellent. Like they have done in the last couple seasons, so much stuff about, uh health insurance um police brutality uh consent uh medical bias against women uh, uh, the me too yeah me, me too trans rights like they definitely have taken on a a pretty hefty load of like a ver- I keep calling them a very special episode yeah. Uh, because a lot of times I think when it's done kind of ham fistedly it does feel like you're being as someone who is like already aware of the issues it feels a little bit like you're being lectured or like it's not it's being kind of uh, like shoved into the episode in or a way that doesn't feel natural for the
1: sake of being topical right, yeah. right.
2: it's like they want to you know, I have I've spoken at length about the season fifteen episode that got so much praise about the woman who was um, sexually assaulted being like treated by Joe and made to feel supported by these women lining the halls with. Um, have you that that episode? I, that's, that's the episode actually. They the for episode Emmy's. I
1: paused on. Yeah, like because I'm not done with fifteen yet. Yeah,
2: I I I personally did not care for that episode. I didn't like it. But you then try and think about like. Gray still has an audience, millions of people, uh, many of whom are not like. Uh, they don't personally know trans people. They don't, ha- they're not in communities that are willing or open or comfortable talking about their own experiences with sexual assault. Like and, the
1: only context they get for trans is from shows, from movies. Right. Like
2: trans characters are the only trans people that they, whose experiences they hear from and things like that. And so yeah, th- that speech, it's like. Up until that last moment, I'm actually like 100% on board. And then she's like, do you know what the suicide rate is? I'm like, okay, listen. Yes, but come like gender dysphoria. Like, okay. But I do think that it does speak to it. it, it, Part of the reason why it works better than I think some of the other very special episode moments Mm -hmm. is because it fits so Neatly in with what Catherine's actual philosophy is as a doctor perfectly and and it's, and it's honestly like we already saw something extremely similar when the first time that we meet her, when she's talking about doing a, a penile transplant where she's like, it, it's not about the appearance. It's about the function. It's about the quality of life, having a, a penile reconstruction that, but it's not functional. It can't do the things that your penis did. Like that is not the same. That's not the same. Uh, so I, it's, a, it's a good scene, but I do have to say that, that there is like there is that element that plays pretty heavily in a lot of recent Grey's uh, seasons that is not always my favorite thing. The statistics? Just like the um, like, for example... Bailey has a heart attack. She goes to another hospital that is not her own hospital and they disbelieve that she's having a heart attack even though she's chief of surgery at another right. hospital. And she over the course of the episode gives several speeches about like the percentage of women who are disbelieved about their medical conditions and things like that. And some and it's not even just the statistics. Sometimes it's just it sometimes grates me a little bit just how um it's just not it's just not done artfully to me always sometimes it is like April has an entire crisis of faith because an unarmed black boy is shot by police and she like this is like the first she's heard of it and she has a biracial son sorry daughter I mean, she did have a biracial son for like an hour. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm being very. Sorry, Samuel. Oh, Samuel, <laughs> RIP. Your bones broke every time you <laughs> moved. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. <laughs> but I think that like uh, mo- mom- episodes and moments like that are just c- currently uh, uh, Meredith is has committed insurance fraud uh, in order to protect an undocumented child and but we did
1: insurance fraud already. we're back we're okay. back doing insurance okay. fraud this time
2: it uh, has to do with uh undocumented workers in baby jails undocumented workers undocumented anyone undocumented uh uh citizens uh people who live in the country who need health care that is what like season 15 finale is hinges on oh. and it's to me it's it's just it's uh it's just not how we always used to do things here at Grace. Uh But I think that this is actually, this this speech is actually a good example of how, it, it when it's done well, for yeah. the most part. When yeah. it's like, it fits in with the character philosophy. It's a question not of um, believing a certain thing, but of participating in a medical <laughs> process. It's not like, do you believe that trans women, if they want one, should have a... Vagin- vaginoplasty? Vaginoplasty. I was going to say like a vaginal. I was trying to describe exactly what they were making out of the perineum, but I can't remember. Yes. It's like, I think it's just like the vaginal canal. In any yeah. case, it's like it's not like a question of like, do you believe she should have one? It's like, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to scrub in on the surgery? And like, that's when I think it gets like stronger. It's not like, you're not asking Jackson Avery to contemplate trans rights. You're saying like, do you want to do your job to make a woman's life better? Yeah. And if not, like, what's your fucking problem?
1: This is also such a nice moment for filling the gap. I feel sometimes like, okay, they're doing their job. And then there's something that feels like a leap that a doctor will choose to do emotionally. Yeah. In the medical room, uh, which can sometimes feel, oh, it's for the drama, it's for the show. But... There are so many instances of things like this in the medical field that are being thought about more and more. Mm-hmm. And I love them for bringing it up. Yeah. I love it. Well, also the part specifically where she's talking about like how much
2: money goes into, you know, like erectile dysfunction pills. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, we did a segment on Full Frontal last year talking about um talking about uh, um uh, oh my God. I just blanked on it. It's uh, a PCOS, uh polycystic oh, ovarian syndrome. And hell yeah. yeah. So many women do. It's awful. And the money that, uh, just the, the gaps in money of like what we use to study diabetes, what we use to study like, uh, epilepsy and like, and then based on how many people are affected by each thing and how much money goes into it and like stuff like PCOS and, um, and uh, endometriosis are yeah. like are like two things that like affect as many people as diabetes affects, and there's like no money that goes into it. And uh, and maybe because of Grace, more people know about that now, which is that is a net good, yeah. even if it
1: doesn't make my favorite version of TV. It is a <laughs> net good to get the message out. Yeah, I maybe this is going on too much of a no. tangent, but uh, no, I thought about this episode when I went in. Uh, like a few weeks ago, I had to go in to get um, an a vaginal ultrasound to just check if I have cysts. Yeah. And they use a wand, but they have to put a plastic cover over it. And the plastic cover is not the shape of the wand. It has a like, it's plastic mm-hmm. and it has a rectangle end. And that makes sense for like factory production. I'm sure that's yeah quicker. But for comfort, absolutely not.
2: Yeah. There are studies talking about how um, so many of the gynecological um, tools were designed by men who don't actually know, like, what it would feel like to have it in a vagina, and yeah, like speculums, makes... for example, are like there is a way to make a speculum that is more comfortable, uh, that is not made from like cold metal, etc. Et and but the but the cost of replacing medical supplies is just something that a lot of like hospitals and practices aren't willing to undertake. But it's like, it's like the design and the, and everything about that was just like made by people who just kind of like arbitrarily chose like, like it wasn't just because something in the words of Catherine Avery, just because something works doesn't mean it can't be made better. Amen. Amen. Okay. This is your last clip. So in season 15, Catherine has um, cancer and uh she has she's spinal cancer. Yeah. And it's modeled after one of the writers for Grays who is living with cancer and basically she's written about this like it's um it's a type of cancer that can't be eradicated completely but it can be uh you know shrunk kept manageably and then you just kind of keep checking on it and keep treating it to the best of your ability as you go on and the idea is that you, like, are living with cancer forever, but it's better than than not living, right. obviously. And that is, like, what so Catherine, like, enough. has. Like, Catherine's mm. cancer cannot be eliminated completely, but she can experience treatment so that she can walk comfortably and things like that. And Catherine makes an absolutely terrible patient. She, mm. There's a lot of tension between her and Richard because she won't say how she feels. She won't accept help. She does not like being feeling pitied or babied in any way. Meanwhile, Jackson and Richard are like, this is how we express love, by being with you, by helping you, by worrying about you. And there's like a, a serious emotional incompatibility where Catherine is actually actively angry about how she's being treated. Also because yeah. she's like, I don't feel sexy. I don't feel like myself, etc. So in this episode that you chose... There's like a party for Catherine, but I honestly already can't remember why.
1: Is it cause Oh, she- I think this is the party that she talks about before she goes into surgery. Like she hands the agenda <laughs> to Jackson. Oh. Uh-huh. And says, like, I planned a party, like to just show like she's still like gotcha, optimistic gotcha. and I, yeah. she wants egg rolls. I remember that.
2: Oh yeah, and the egg rolls like catch fire or something. It's horrible. Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot of like really stupid stuff (laughs) in Grey's Anatomy (laughs) in the last few seasons. But in any case, Catherine and Bailey are in this limousine together going to the party. Yeah. And, uh,
1: and they're like
2: having this like girls chat.
1: And it's kind of the first, girls ch- like they've come to understandings and conversations but it's been a bumpy road for Catherine and Bailey
2: yeah there's like power struggles about like mm-hmm. Bailey is chief of surgery Catherine is on the foundation for the hospital like who's really calling the shots they're both protective over Richard um
1: yeah there it is a bumpy road yeah so it's um, nice to for them to have this moment
2: yeah uh there it's like a runner for the whole episode like they're on their way to this they're on their way to this um to this party for most of the episode right. and they're drinking and getting drunk in the car and Bailey has this is like trying to get her to go there and uh they keep stalling and stuff like that um so i i chose there, there are a lot of really great scenes, actually, between the two of them. In yeah, this. no,
1: I remember. I left it up to you because I couldn't pick
2: one. Unfortunately, this is also an episode where, like, Richard walks in on Meredith and DeLuca making out. Um, it's fine. Oh, anyway. Meredith and DeLuca. Here is this scene. Trouble is a successful
5: run. It's like, what if somebody else comes along with something better? I'm going to actually remind my- it.
1: Oh, the fire's burning, yeah, fire's they're smooching. Like
5: I don't know how long the trailblazer's success will run. It's like, what if somebody else comes along with something better? All my checks, poof. Bailey,
3: that's how money works. I mean, my grandfather made a fortune when he opened a candy store in 1921. And what happened in 1927? Mm. Poof. My father didn't have shoes that fit for over a month. Poof. I'm just trying to tell you that money comes, money goes. And what's the point if you lose it before you get to enjoy it a little?
5: So you want me to buy myself a few hospitals? How many to start? Three? Start slow, honey. Okay.
3: What is the one thing that you haven't let yourself get?
5: Come on. It's got to be something. The C7500 Turbo Mix in red. Uh, soups, smoothies, dips, dressings, desserts. You can make Christmas dinner with it. And it cleans itself. <laughs>
3: Act of God. What is it? Blender. Oh, Lord. Well, you should just buy the damn thing.
5: Look at that price. Bailey,
3: think about when you walk into your kitchen and it's gleaming at you from the counter with its five programmable speeds. The price is nothing compared to that jar. I bought it. Ah!
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got something to celebrate. Come on! No, no, it's almost eight o'clock. We need to get to the party. No,
3: oh, please, I'm not going to that.
5: Mm.
2: Commercial break. We come back. I really want that dis- like
1: wow, wow,
2: sound effect. <laughs> yeah, I miss I miss a lot of the old music, but there's <laughs> bunk, bunk, bunk. Uh, I did want to just continue this scene because it is good.
3: They performed an astonishing feat. And for that, I am forever grateful. But Miranda, if I walk into that party right now, people are going to come up to me and say things like, oh, congratulations, you did it. Like it's all over, like I'm cancer free. Yes, my tumor hasn't gotten any bigger, but it could. It could. And so I have to live in dread from one scan to the next. For every scan. I'm never going to be out of the woods with this thing. It's
5: not something I feel like celebrating. Hypocrite. Excuse me. You all easy come, easy go when it comes to money, but you're afraid to spend joy? which you think you're going to run out of it? That dread between scans is scary, but it's life. And it's not perfect, but it's the one you get now. What I get, I have a heart that I no longer trust. I live day by day trying to get it to not blow up again and hoping that the fix they gave me stays a fix. And you, you have a piece of tumor on your spine, and it could get bigger, or it could not. And you know what? An earthquake could take us all out tomorrow, or a meteor, or robot. We don't get to know that. But just right now, we're alive. We are still here. And people love us. So that's cause to celebrate.
1: Hold them back, the flood in the Excuse me.
2: Good scene. Oh, really good scene. I love those
1: two together.
2: Yeah. Oh God, I, I, I think that that, also, I, I think that that advice that, uh, that Catherine gives to Bailey is genuinely so good.
1: It's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's Uh, Catherine, not just medically, but like you gotta have a rich, like pleasure in life.
2: Yes. And, and I do think that like something that I really like about Catherine is that she's really unashamed of how much she enjoys things. Not like, like you don't see her like ranting about like how much she loves a purse or something, but like she experiences a certain quality of life uh, and she's not apologetic about it. And she shares in it like it's something it's it's like it's based in a philosophy as opposed to just like a love of material objects. And I I have said this to, you know, many, many people that like when you get your first like big job um that you need to buy something really yes! special and that every time you use it or see it it reminds you that you've you've entered a new stage of your life like when I got my first tv job it's so stupid but it's like I bought a, a leather backpack from Nordstrom Rack Ooh. it was like I'd always kind of wanted one and I was like this is great I couldn't bring it to work and stuff like that and it was like every time I looked at that bag I was just like I am a TV writer now. Like it was like this. It was like I spent money that I never had before. It was something that I loved. It was something that like was important to me. And it was like it's exactly how she describes it with the blender. Like the joy that I saw whenever I saw my backpack was like representative of like I've entered a new stage of my life. And when Brent uh, Branson got his first TV job, he got like a cologne that he had been talking about for a really long time. It was fucking expensive. And it it was, that was years ago. And he still, it's still like the bottle is still there. And he, and we've talked about it where it's like, every time I wear it, I'm just like, I arrived, I arrived at this place where I could get myself this thing. That's really, that, that is like special. It's so nice. And it's, it's, it sucks to be in like, uh, it, it sucks about how many, Factors contribute to a place where that is not something that people can experience until you come into a certain place in your career. But I am just I'm such a big proponent of like not being that allowing yourself to celebrate and not being quite so precious about every single thing in your life and being so fatalist or. Yeah, Doomsday prepper treating yourself about your own joy or money Or things like a that lesson. Yeah and I, I think that like that is Beautiful lesson Yeah I mean like buying like an $800 blender It's just like To make Christmas Bailey, dinner You gotta Bailey, Bailey has to buy it It's But it's exactly what she <laughs> says Like think about that Money is nothing compared to how you're gonna feel When you see it
1: Oh absolutely Assuming
2: that you know the blender also comes with a warranty <laughs> Cause I will <laughs> say <laughs> like I still use my bag years later. uh, But blenders can break and you got to get a warranty for that. Are gifts your love language? No, um, not at all. Uh, I mean, I do, I do really enjoy giving gifts, but receiving gifts is like not important to me at all. I'm acts of service is my, is my love, is my love, my receiving love language. Yeah. I also really like time spent and, uh,
1: that's and, a great
2: one. and to yeah. some degree, words of affirmation. But I would say that mm. gift giving is actually probably my bottom for
1: receiving oh. love, uh, love language. I like it because it's the same thing. Like if you pass me this mug and like, Caitlin, this will forever be our time at the podcast. <sighs> yeah. I'm going to keep it and like touch this mug and go the memory. Like, <laughs> the memory. Yeah. I love I love to I love to give gifts. But yeah,
2: I don't. Yeah. It's it's it's. And I and I love to um, shop, I will say. <laughs> I love to give gifts to myself. I have been told that I'm very hard to shop for because I just get the thing that I want anyway. for myself, just silent. Like, I don't tell anyone I want something. I just contemplate it privately for a certain period of time. And then at a certain point, I just purchase it for myself and then the, the loop thing. is closed <laughs> yeah yeah I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a Catherine in that way uh <laughs> and in other ways I'm a Libra and that we I like <laughs> luxurious things we see both sides of the argument and also mm-hmm. we like mm-hmm. luxurious things and that's sort of like a thing about me as Libra oh it is almost our time us Libras and, TikTok, October's come after right? then that Things will be fair. Justice will be served. <laughs> um, okay, so th- that is the end of your clips, Catherine. Which I think paint a very compassionate and passionate mm-hmm. picture of a woman who works hard, plays hard. Yep. yep. Uh, I I have a few clips that are are I would describe as being a devil's advocate.
1: <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay, so
2: so here's my thing about Catherine. Catherine uh, works extremely hard. She has a healthy ego, as you would describe. And I think that she, at times, is not uh, empathetic. And she can't see past her own desires. And a lot of this comes into play when it comes to... uh, april or anyone who threatens she sees as a threat to someone who she feels protective over so like
1: particularly jackson yeah Yeah. jackson
2: in particular but like even when she's yelling at bailey even though she's Uh, right like that was like an inappropriate thing like she's the loved one of uh, like she was abusing her own power as being on the foundation in order to see the medical charts of someone who's like uh, care she really shouldn't be participating in from a medical perspective yeah. because she isn't. I mean, neither should Bailey, frankly. Like, but it, but I do think that when it comes to stuff with Jackson, sometimes Catherine's a real bitch, and she's sure and she can sometimes be cruel. So I have just a couple clips, um, to kind of just show this other side of Catherine that I think there are some people who don't like Catherine. And I think that those who don't like Catherine, it's because of this type of stuff that she does. Uh, And this, there are more instances than what I'm going to show, but I do think that like, it's not really a complete picture of Catherine without showing these instances where she really is like mama bear in a way that hurts people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in this first episode that I chose, this is mid season 10. um, Uh, Jackson and April have eloped and Mm. and first and foremost, Catherine's feelings are hurt because she wasn't involved in the wedding or anything like that and she feels left out of the loop. But instead what she does is she comes in and she absolutely terrorizes April about a prenup. That like they didn't get to do this prenup because they eloped. And it really like hurts... Her feelings are hurt and the way that she deals with it, I think is really shitty. So here mm-hmm. we go.
1: I'm sure it was a shock. I mean, I was shocked. I can't even imagine what you must be feeling. Actually, I can, I can not imagine you know it because I- You babe,
0: don't. She doesn't care. But I know why you're here, mom, and I could have saved you a trip. I already called Mike Ferris. The time
3: to call Mike would have been before you stood up at that barn. Oh, wait, who is Mike Harris?
0: Ferris, he's our attorney, Avery Foundation.
3: Protects our financial interests. I are you suggesting that I'm after your money? I have no idea what you're
0: after, dear. All right, that's enough. You're not gonna march in here and start questioning my wife's character. You wanna
3: talk about her character? She left a man at the altar. She broke his heart and humiliated him in front of everyone that he loves. I have no idea what she's capable of, never mind you. I am not interested in your money. Wonderful. That's what I said when I married into the Avery family. And you know what I did next? I signed a prenuptial.
0: I said I'd handle it. This
3: is totally inappropriate. What's inappropriate is the engagement was 15 minutes at a rest stop on the turnpike. Fortunately, post-nuptial agreements were created for moments like this. And this meeting is over. Jackson.
0: It's over.
2: Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. not like an uncommon energy from Catherine Avery.
1: No, I mean, she she is a businesswoman for Harper Avery Foundation first yeah. and foremost. Like, I think, I don't know. I think her, what's most important to her is her legacy, mm-hmm. which is that foundation and is Jackson. Like, everything she does is about those two and i don't know like i i don't love the way she's handling it because she's obviously furious and sounds like a jerk but i don't i didn't love her april standing up what's his face at the wedding no i mean yeah yeah, it it's true it's just like and i mean i she just she doesn't know april like we know april right so I think it is fair of her to question. I just don't love how she questions it. And right. I, I think it's the same episode. They meet again. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. They they meet again a couple more times
2: in, in that episode. I just thought that that one was like, that's how she starts. Right. Like she doesn't start off by just being like, hello. So there are actually some procedures. You're in Avery now. Here's what that means. It's like. This bitch did this thing. Okay, so another another uh, kind of similar thing happens a few seasons later. So April and Jackson get divorced. Ah, uh, yes. And yes, when yes, they yes. get divorced, uh, April is pregnant. And she has not told Jackson because, as she explains in a really good scene where she's very emotional... She knows that Jackson wants out of the marriage and she doesn't want to manipulate him into staying by telling him about there being a baby. And she feels, and she finds out, I mean, just before, like, I think the morning that they signed yeah, the, the papers. Yeah. Of the of And so she, but she says, you know, I don't think it's fair to Jackson to tell him because that's not a good enough reason to stay because we can co-parent, we can have a child together. And I think that if, He, he, I think he might stay for a kid and that's not a good, like, I don't want him to do that. Catherine, when she finds out that April has, is pregnant, she like is furious and wants to talk to April about it. And Jackson really tells her pretty strongly to stay out of it. And Catherine does anyway. And... April ends up having like a really good like heart to heart conversation with her and feels really seen by her and in this scene we find out that Catherine Mm -hmm. was actually manipulating her the whole time and had ulterior motives and this is what this is
0: I told you not to talk to April right I know yeah you did anyway
2: I know that too
0: and you know as hard as it is for me to say this to you thank you it seems like it was a good thing like you were right
3: Yes, I was. I got everything we need. Need? What she knew, when she knew it, whom she spoke to, and when. I needed to confirm that she withheld information from you when she was signing those divorce papers. That she legally committed fraud, and she did. And now, we can go
2: after her.
1: Don't. Wearing her most villainous haircut.
2: Yep. Straight bob. Straight Bob with a side bang. Yeah. I mean,
1: so like that's like shitty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we come to find out later, what is it, that uh, Jackson's father went to the other side of, like, left her and took Jackson? Yes. And she, so
2: it's. <laughs> but like, she, I mean, I'm not, I didn't show the scene, but the scene in which she retrieves this information is like the most Gross. emotionally manipulative. Like, she, like, goes to her and, like, empathizes with her pain and, like, is, like, I'll always be there. Like, it's this, like, really...
1: Yeah, the way she goes about it to just be so manipulative, and you don't even see her, like, consider it or debate about it talking to Jackson. It's just straightforward. We got the ammo. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, chalk it up to Jackson's her number one priority, but it does make her come across as super unempathetic and just yeah
2: i mean there's also like an interesting i didn't choose any of this stuff but there's also like an interesting um thing with her like when you find out that she paid off people who had accused harper avery of sexual (gasps) misconduct like she had like facilitated like paying them off and ndas and things like that and jackson's really hurt by it and she basically says like I was in a room full of men and the only thing I couldn't have stopped Harper Avery, but the only thing I could do was make sure that they had enough money to like lead their lives. And I make no apologies for what I did and stuff like that. But I will just say like Catherine Avery is like a morally complicated woman, like the way that she justifies her own actions. Like she is not as much as she's as a doctor, I think has all of the right Priorities, I think as a person, it's not always true. Okay, so this last clip that I chose is after Harriet has been <laughs> born. And this scene, it's like it's really hard for me to understand because basically there's a part in this scene where Catherine says to April that she can't hold her baby. April wants to hold her baby and Catherine and, and April's hurt because she gave baby birth on the like, you know, counter or whatever. Oh,
1: this is when Ben did the Yeah. <laughs> So she's like recovering in a
2: pretty big way. right? And so she can't like physically like lifting herself up in the bed is like uncomfortable, but she can certainly hold her child. And Catherine is upset because she doesn't know what the name of the baby is going to be. She's found out that the first name is Harriet, but she says, you know, Harriet Avery, I love it. And Keppner's like. What makes you think the last name's Avery? Such a good April move. I love and, that. And the fact is, is that they've already figured out that the baby's last name is going to be hyphenated. But April, on principle, is not telling her that because she's like, "Who the fuck are you to tell? Like, this is my baby."
1: day yeah, one, like, right? And it's like,
2: yes, exactly. So there's, there's a moment in this scene that really upsets me. But I have to say, based on the way that's played and that they react they don't treat it as monstrous as I find it so I don't really know like to me I think that like what happens is horrifying like when she says that like you're not allowed to hold your baby like you're too weak like yeah
1: I don't remember that I remember the last name thing I'm very eager so we'll we'll see we'll see like what
2: they actually intended but how it comes off to me really upsets me okay let's go (laughs)
3: I mean, she's your baby. You can call her whatever you want. Mm -hmm,
0: Just as long as it's Avery.
3: (laughs) I'll say this. Avery wasn't my name either, but I took it on and I built it into something. And the name that I built will open doors for this little girl. I'm just thinking of her future. Yeah. Well,
1: the name Kepner means something too. What? Where I come from, it means good people. A
3: tireless work ethic, a fair and honest price for quality pork.
0: (laughs) People you call when you're in trouble. Yeah, it may not open doors, but Kepner means something. Now, can I have my?
3: Ah! It's all right. It's all right. I've got her. No, Catherine. I can hold my own baby. No, April. You can't. No, you can't. You nearly died bringing her into this world. You did something superhuman, so now you get to rest and heal. Yeah, it's just fine. She's got her grandma, and that's what grandmas are for. So now just relax. Sleep for an hour. You're gonna have her whole life to hold her. Rest and heal. She's gonna need you.
2: So Kepner seems to take that as a fine answer. Like, well, rest her in eyes he-
1: bulged right. when she first said,
2: "Okay, it. so that's fucked up, right?" No, it like it is. It, like, that- I, so I watched this scene when I was looking for stuff for the Kepner episode, and it like I had to like take a lap. I was so upset. <laughs> Where she's like, "No, April, you can't." It's the grossest power move. Yes, because of- she can't get up, and so like. Catherine is like literally holding the baby hostage.
1: Yeah, instead of like <laughs> helping her. Like, to that's hold what grandmas the baby. are for. Like,
2: eat shit. No, like, come on.
1: Yeah. Anyway, very I don't shortly after that. this, she finds out that
2: the name is hyphenated, and she's like, "You knew that the whole time." And April's like, haha. I'm like, "Wait, no. <laughs> let's go back to the part where you like wouldn't let her hold, hold her own her baby, baby when she was begging." Anyway, I hate to end it on that note. So I chose something else that was just, I think is nice, but like, yeah, but that's my counter argument about Catherine. Like as, as strong and impressive of a woman as she is, she sometimes does some things that really upset me and I don't blame anyone who doesn't like her or thinks that maybe she's given the benefit of the doubt too much. Yes. What I chose to not end on such a bad note (laughs) was before she has her spinal surgery, uh, oh, they pipe music yeah. into the room and everyone dances. It's very so
1: sweet. It, it's very sweet. Debbie Allen loves to dance, as we all know. Oh, I looked at her Twitter the other day. She put up a clip from when she was in Dreamgirls. I urge... Oh, yeah. I, you, I, I saw everyone, that exact clip. It's so good. dancing.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. It's amazing. Okay, this is a fun little scene. Everyone's dancing at a certain point. It's That's what you can't forget. see. they are in the OR, by the way.
3: I will see you when I wake up. Jackson? Where's Jackson?
0: <laughs> One for the road? Oh, ho, ho, my baby. <sighs> well, everyone's-
1: Dancing. Everyone's dancing Bo-Key's dancing oh. With Karasik, oh my gosh No matter
3: where you are <laughs> No matter how far No way, no way
1: No way Everyone's no 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 hugging and, and She's dancing. lip-syncing the hell out of it Yeah So, you know
2: It's a very good clip and I really recommend people watch it because it's very fun and also Debbie Allen just like undeniably is an amazing dancer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a great clip to end
1: on. Yeah. I didn't want to end with her denying no. April her baby, so here is this, you know? But also, like, she's a testament to Grays, especially as to now. Like, it would be so easy to make her more evil. Yes. Nicer. Like this is She's a woman a complicated. with flaws complicated. Yes. This is this is how people work. Yep. It's so true.
2: Uh oh, I feel like we did a good job. I mean, I feel like that, you know, there were a lot of clips to do it, but it's yeah, like yeah, I mean that's that's Catherine. That's that her. is Catherine. Catherine. Um the only thing left to do is a chandelier. <gasps> yes. Uh and you know what a Shondalogue is. You just watched really? all 14 plus seasons <laughs> of
1: Graves. I actually watched Scandal in between two. So I'm going to... Oh my
2: God. God bless you.
1: I, oh, love. Well, love a lot of it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I famously stopped watching Scandal around season three. But one day I'll return. That sounds about right. Yeah. No, that's the, cor- I and think the correct one. One day I will return. You don't need to. Fair enough.
2: <laughs> Won't return. <laughs> but I probably still will. There will be a time where I'm like, I have to. Okay. Would you like to kick it off or would you like me to? Uh, I'd love it if you would. Okay. Great. Let's see. Let's see what I can find. Uh how's how's this Mm, not quite right always love to do that yeah Uh, what about this oh oh you know what I actually can think of what this episode is from it's great do you guys remember this It's a classic. Um, I can't remember exactly what's happening, but I can see it in my mind. Oh, I've watched Grace too many times. No, I haven't. Um, Okay. What about this? No, that's not right. What about this? Okay. Yeah, this will do. This is the first day. And I've always been a fan of first days. First day of school, first first anything, first date, first first kiss. This is the first day that you are going to see me for who I really am and I'm not going to apologize because as scary as it might be I love first this is the first day but the only thing that makes it the first day is to know that another day comes after that and another day after that and another day after that and hopefully the last day is so far in the future that Everything is different by then. Everything except for the fact that we'll remember this. Because that's what makes first so special. That a first means that there's nothing behind you. This is the first day. But looking at you, I feel confident that there's going to be a second. That's it. you know. <laughs> thank you so much. I that one actually was not my best, and I'm confident with saying that. But I, a little bit behind the scenes, we have recorded the last three days in a row, and I only have so many ideas. <laughs> Okay, hopefully I'm I'm a lot faster with finding a good song for you. Okay. Oh my gosh. Let me be inspired. Get ready. You know, you know, it'll just it'll all just come. Hit
1: me. Enough. (gasps) Yes, I hear you. I hear what you're saying in the hallways. And I've heard it all. So yeah, say call me penis pocket. That's fine. I've heard a lot worse in my time. And you know what? When I first started school and got into the medical field, I volunteered for the first penis procedure. And everyone called me penis procedure. And it was fine, because you know what? I am a damn good doctor. And with that procedure... I started to become the woman I am today. No, not the woman with the penis in the pocket, thank you very much. But the woman who can reattach that penis. And I'm not the man snickering in the hallway calling names. What have you done? Yeah. That's what I thought. So, go ahead and call me Penis Pocket, because at least I have a name to you. To me, you're nothing. And one last thing. I get my parking space back. Yeah! Oh my God! Oh, f- I wanted to include Bitch Baby. That's the one oh, thing I knew. Next time, next
2: time, you'll get it. Oh my God. That was perfect. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Wow.
1: What a release. I didn't know I was holding that in.
2: I know. (laughs) It just happens. Oh, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast, talking about Catherine.
1: Um, Where can people find you? Where can they find me? Well, first, uh, (laughs) thank you for having me. Um, You know, I've been softening the social media presence, but you can find me on Instagram at Katie Pocket. You can. can, If you're in New York, you can find me at the stage. Yes. uh, Performing at UCB with the team Iggins. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for listening.
2: We'll be back next week with another episode. Forever
0: Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm,